Welcome to those who are here and welcome to those who are online as well. Thank you for tuning in. I want to first turn to Genesis chapter 21. I've got a bit of a reading to start off with. Um, again, I've, I've chosen what I'm going to speak on based on what I'm going through in my devotions at the moment. It's normally how I decide. I find that's how I, I've got the most background and um, it's in the forefront of my mind at the moment and I've been going through Genesis. So Genesis chapter 21, and I just want to read from verses 9 to 14. It says there, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which he had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman should not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, and because of thy thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Bathsheba. So we have here the um, story of um, Sarah and Hagar, and uh, I've titled the message tonight, Ishmael versus Isaac. And that's what I want to be uh, sort of looking a little bit more at tonight. Over in Galatians chapter 4, and that's where we'll be um, focusing on tonight, but we'll also be turning back to the story in Genesis 21. Paul uses this this occasion or this story of um, Abraham's life as an allegory Um, and I didn't know what that word meant before I started looking into it and an allegory which is a narrative or a story that has a deeper meaning behind it and that's what Paul used it as in Galatians chapter 4 verse uh, 24 he refers back to Genesis 21 as an allegory We must never apply this method to all scripture, otherwise we'll end up with, with false doctrine, as many people today, to, to draw a spiritual or a, um, a different meaning out of every story isn't what we should do. But Paul here was inspired by the Holy Spirit to discern the hidden meaning of this story. Paul was going to use the allegory because the Galatian be- believers that he was writing the letter to were getting confused in their spiritual walk. They were fall, falling back into legalism, just as um, some in the church are doing today. And we know it would have been hard back then in that in the early church, where they were so used to doing um, certain ways, certain things, certain ways. And we know how hard it is for us if we've done a, a, have a certain routine and then something is completely changed. It's a hard thing. So this was something that kept on coming up and and, um, Paul was using this story back in Genesis 21 as as an allegory. But to start off with, I want to look at the story. So we're going to go back a little bit further than 
what uh, Genesis 21 was and look at Abraham's story and Sarah's story. And to do this, I'm actually going to go by different, uh, different age, or the, the ages of um, Abraham and what was happening in his life at that time. So that at the ripe old age of 75, when most of us would be thinking about retirement, Abraham was called to go to Canaan. Abraham and Sarah, or Abraham, had faith and obeyed. Abraham and Sarah desired children, but they, but Sarah was barren, and God promised a child or a descendant in Genesis, sorry, chapter 12, sorry, verses one to nine. And I won't read these passages, but I'll refer to where that part of Abraham's story is found. God promised the child, but was waiting on them to be as good as dead. This was not physical death, but spiritual death. He didn't want them to be doing anything in their own strength or relying on their own efforts to bring this child into the world. So the promise was made at age 75. At Ten years later, at age 85, the promised son had not arrived. And like many of us... Um, would do, impatience started to build. Um, Abraham and Sarah considered their options and in doing this they sinned. They started to rely on their own human reasoning and um, in doing that they, they sinned. Sarah suggested Abraham have a child with Hagar which is not God's plan or direction and that was in Genesis chapter 16 verses 1 to 3. Although it wasn't against the law back then to have more than one wife, it was not God's plan and not God's design at all. At age 86, Hagar falls pregnant and Sarah becomes instantly jealous. Straight away, the sin had its um, consequences. It got to a stage that Sarah threw Hagar out. But God brought her back and promised that she would be looked after if she went back to Abraham and Sarah. Later on, Ishmael was born and lived with Abraham and Sarah. And that's in Genesis chapter 16, verses 4 to 16. At age 99, when Abraham and Sarah may have even given up, God reaffirmed to Abraham and Sarah that they were to still have a son. And this would have been a great surprise to them in Genesis um, chapter 17 through to 18. At at age 100, 100, that's Abraham, Isaac was born and his name meant laughter. In Genesis chapter 21 verses 1 to 7. And we read that a little bit earlier. But there was anything but laughter between Ishmael and Isaac. I'm sure that you know the account uh, very well through reading it in your own time. At at the age of 103, when Isaac was weaned from Sarah, um, Sarah demanded Ishmael go because he kept mocking Isaac. And that is where we read in Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 to 14. So I just wanted to go over that story so we get a bit of a picture of what Paul was trying to refer to in this allegory. Now I want to focus a little bit more on Ishmael versus Isaac. And we won't be covering the whole allegory tonight, 
because it also mainly involves Hagar and Sarah and comparing that, those two. But to start off with, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was, was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. I'll just stop there for now. Um, so we see here Ishmael and Isaac, and we can compare them to the flesh and the spirit, or the flesh versus the spirit. Ishmael was born a slave after the flesh, well, to a slave um, after the flesh, but Isaac was born free by God's power. Ishmael was born a slave who could not be controlled. He was born of the flesh out of impatience instead of waiting for the God or God's timing. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. No one could contain or control Ishmael, even his mother. The Bible says that he was a wild man. In Galatians chapter 16, we read on in uh, earlier in verses 11 to 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a, a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So even before he was born, his character was um, told to Hagar. But very, I want to draw the comparison to the flesh. Our flesh is exactly the same. When we are born physically, we are born a slave to sin straight away. And we inherit a sin nature. It cannot be controlled no matter how much we try in our human efforts to do so. When we live in the flesh, we are at war with God and with everyone else. We can see this in the world today. The world is out of control. There is no end to the warring or strife that people cause to one another and also against God. In homes, workplaces and unfortunately in churches we see this occurring. When people... Um, try to have human reasoning and rely on their flesh to solve problems, it always ends up in disaster. What the world tries to do is put laws and regulations in place to control the world from going out of control. But they forget that only the designer of this world can fix the issues that sin has caused in this world. It's only when they turn our lives over to God and live by his word that our flesh can be brought into control. So we have the comparison there of the flesh and Ishmael. Contrary to that was Isaac. In um, Galatians chapter 4, verse 29, a bit further down, it says, but as, they, at, but as then he was born after the flesh, persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so is it now. And that was talking about um, um, Isaac in that second half of that verse he was born of the spirit 
Isaac was born free by God's power. This is why God waited over 25 years before he allowed Isaac to be born. He wanted um, Abraham and Sarah to be um, as good as dead, to not be doing it in their own strength. It had to be a miracle for this to happen. He wanted him um, to not be born of human effort. And when you think about it, we are born of the Spirit when we believe on the Lord for salvation. I'll read the familiar verse in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And I'm sure we all know this story. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. We too are born again, free from sin and the eternal destination of sin, which we know is hell. It's a sad thing to see so many um, so-called churches deceiving so many to thinking that they can work their way to heaven. That in their own flesh and human reasoning and strength, if they do the right thing, if they... um, pay money to the church or if they confess their sins to a priest weekly, (coughs) pardon me, they'll get to heaven. It's a sad thing to see that a majority of churches uh, teach that way. Well, they'll teach that God is a God of love and that he would never send anyone to hell. It's a sad thing that God has made a perfect way, that we have to be born of the Spirit, but yet the world um, relies on the flesh and tries to work their way to heaven. And we see that Israel, uh, sorry, Isaac was born through Abraham's faith. In Galatians, Galatians 3.9 it says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. He was a faithful man and we can see that through his life that he had to have faith. And sometimes he lapsed and, and did the wrong thing. But he always came back and had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sarah, who also represents grace. So we can see that um, Isaac was born through grace, um, by grace, sorry, through faith. We too are born again by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's amazing how clear the word is. It doesn't give you an option. There's one way and only one. What a blessed thought to know that it's not our own strength, but God's grace, but grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what saves us. Um, I I do think of others in in my workplace or those around me who aren't saved. And it, um, it grieves me to think where they're heading. 
we can see that they're, they're, they are a slave. They're a slave to the flesh. And even when you try tell them, you try to make it as simple as possible, they still don't think they're a slave. They don't understand that week after week they're, they're trying to fulfill the lusts of the flesh to make them fill that void in their life that God's put there for a reason. Whether it be you know, um, alcohol or whether it be um, um, going out and uh, gathering things, money, building, building their bigger barns and filling them. They just don't see that they are slave to their own flesh and they'll be doing that for their whole lives unless they turn over. But I do find this a great motivation to get over that fear of men. That motivation knowing that they are a slave and that, they, that only God can free them. So we look at, at that comparison of um, Ishmael and Isaac, but I want to look at another one. Ishmael brought sadness and separation but Isaac brought joy and laughter. We saw in, um, in Genesis chapter 1, 9 where it said, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which he had borne unto Abraham, mocking. We see here that Ishmael was mocking Isaac. Ishmael was old enough to understand by this point that Isaac was going to be the one who claimed the inheritance, even though he was the firstborn. And this wouldn't have, I don't believe, would have helped the situation. It wouldn't have helped the relationship between these two brothers. And we can, I can imagine the contention was there. And we read about how he was a wild man. He couldn't be or a wild boy. He couldn't be controlled. So that would have built that, um, that mocking. And um, our flesh does the very same thing. Our flesh mocks and wars against the spirit because Satan knows that he has lost the victory once we are saved. And our old nature or our old man, our flesh, is then at war with the new man. And this is a constant battle that will continue on until we get to heaven. In Galatians 5.17 it says, For the flesh lusteth after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that they cannot do the things that you would. Ishmael was the persecutor, while Isaac was the persecuted. And our flesh and the spirit are exactly the same. In Romans 7, verses 19 to 25, I'm going to read a few verses here. And it shows you the struggle that is constantly going on. For the good that I would do not, but the evil... Sorry, I'll start again. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. This, these verses very much highlight that constant battle that we will have. It doesn't matter if you're a, a babe, as a Christian, 
for a, a mature Christian. It's, we always face battles and everyone faces different battles. The flesh is, um, I think it was last Sunday, the flesh has a different flavour for each one or might have been the Sunday before. Um, each, one of, each one has a different flavour of the flesh, a different variation. We struggle with different things, but it is constantly on the attack, constantly mocking. The word of God is what brings the victory over flesh. And this is why it's critical to be in the word, in season and out of season. Constantly keeping short accounts with God of our sin, confessing them. So while Ishmael was mocking and bringing sadness into the family, Isaac was causing laughter, which was the meaning of his name. In Genesis chapter 21, 6, <coughs> pardon me, it says, And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear me will laugh with me. And this is not the first, <coughs> pardon me, the first time that um, Sarah had laughed. We know that earlier on, in the occasion where um, she overheard um, when God visited Abraham and telling him about the promised son of Isaac, she was in the tent and she laughed. She couldn't believe her ears. Then she was la- laughing out of disbelief, but now she is laughing because she is happy that she, is, she knows it is happening. She knows she's come to the knowledge that the Lord is great and has faith in him. When we are saved, there is rejoicing, not just here on earth with people we know, but in heaven. We go to that familiar verse in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. There should be no greater joy than being involved or helping someone who is lost, who is a slave to the flesh, to come to know the Saviour. And I know that here, when you're involved in a ministry, that's what we're doing. And it, it does bring joy. It brings laughter. It brings happiness. But we know that this is what Isaac was bringing into the, into the family, where Ishmael was completely the opposite. And we can see that battle, battle again between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh will bring, ultimately, um, sadness. If we keep chasing the flesh and trying to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, it will bring sadness and, and unfulfillment. But if we do the things of the Spirit and, and read God's Word, it will bring joy to our hearts. Another um, thing that Isaac was doing is Isaac, in Genesis 21.8, it says, And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. In the um, <clears throat> back then, it was a big thing for a big occasion for the child to be weaned off his mother. We see Isaac was growing here; he was moving forward with, with his life. He's moving from being a child and, and, and progressing into being a man. We too, who live in the Spirit, must grow in the Spirit. In First Peter chapter two, two, it says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word." that ye may grow thereby. In 2 Peter 3.18 it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So this shows us that we must, if, we, if we're going to live in the Spirit, we must start to grow and, get, and um, grow up and get rid of the things that are for children. 
Uh, We need to take our walk with the Lord seriously and make sacrifices of those things that deter us from these times, deter us from um, studying diligently. And I I know it's been said before, I think Dad has has said it, that when you think back not that long ago, um, the, the, the word teenager wasn't really widely used. But today... Um, society seems to have this picture that teenagers, they're pretty, you know, that age, n- nothing's expected of them, really. They're, they're uh, pretty hard to motivate. They don't really do much for society. And that's how society views them. And that's not every teenager, sorry for those who are teenagers. But that's how society generally views it. They don't expect anything. You can veg out, you can do what you want. But that's not what God wants he wants um, and, we, and we see it in Bible times people, they were children and then they were men there was not this middle period of um, laziness this middle period of no growth this middle period of, of just pleasing self but you, you were a child you were learning how to grow up you were learning and then you were a man and that's exactly how we should in, do that in our spiritual lives. When we are saved, we are a child. We will be on the milk of the word. And we know that when someone's saved, they have a, a sincerity. They want to get in the word. But after a few years, it does get harder. After we start getting into a few bites of the um, you know, meat of the word, it gets harder. We have to spend more time to dig up those gems and to understand what the word means. Maybe we start facing um, challenges in doctrine. We need to start discerning what doctrine we believe. We need to start deciding what God says from his word and, and let the word speak to us. We don't need a middle period of being a teenager where we start vegging out because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. Um, and I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We need to be able to digest, as I've said, the meat of the word and not skim, skim through the word, relying on the milk alone. Not just coming to the messages on Wednesday night or Sundays and relying on that for our spiritual sustenance, but digging in there for ourselves. I want to read a psalm, Psalm 131, just a few verses from there it says lord my heart is not haughty nor my eyes lofty neither do i exercise myself in great matters or <clears throat> in things too high for me surely i have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother my soul is even as a weaned child so this is what isaac was doing he was being weaned. He was growing up. He was taking steps to becoming a man. And while he was doing this, again, Ishmael was bringing sadness into the world through him having to be separated out of the family. And we know that we see that where Sarah said that, that um, Hagar and um, Ishmael must go. The strife and the mocking was too much. It got to a point where she could see that this wasn't going to get better. It was going to get worse and worse. And there was great sadness there. I'll read those verses um, in Genesis 21, verses 10 to 11. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. 
And the thing was grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And it would have been. Abraham still loved Ishmael. It was still his son. Our flesh also brings sadness when we need to separate from the things of this world. Maybe it's family that is uh, professing to be Christians but not living that way. They're not living by by the word of God. There needs to be a separation. That brings sadness, heavy sadness. Maybe it's old friends that are constantly pulling us back in our spiritual walk. It brings sadness when we have to separate. But it is necessary for the growth of the spirit within our lives. The flesh will always try to creep back in as well. So we need to be on guard, living our lives and sanctifying ourselves daily. It's a little bit shorter tonight. um, And like I said, this is not the whole allegory. This is really just the introduction that Paul was using. Um, And maybe at another time, I might be able to finish the rest of the allegory, which goes into talking about the comparisons of Hagar and, uh, sorry, yeah, Hagar and Sarah. And um, that's where more goes into that legalism and falling in, falling into that as the church was in, in Galatians there.